All right. We're in part two of our sermon series management on last week. Pastor Cheney spoke an awesome word on emotions. And I would I would I would recommend that you get to the app and look at that. She gave some great tools on how to manage your emotions today. And so I want to talk today part two on the consecrated mother. The consecrated mother. Father, we ask that you rest upon us, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thine sight, O Lord. It is our strength and my redeemer. We think about the consecrated mother. We think about Mother's Day today. Many things come to mind. Why would we talk about the consecrated mother today? I believe that when we look at the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah represents one of the first women who actually was able to offer a worshipful sacrifice before the Lord in the temple. The temple was a place that it belonged to the men, it belonged to the priests, and the women did what they did. But Hannah represents one of those women who pioneered the commitment of raising their children and dedicating their children back to God. It would be easy for us to talk about that today of how our mothers dedicated us back to God and how mothers, they nurture and they do all of these wonderful things. But when we look at the story, the underlying story here is that Hannah had an issue. And a lot of times when we look at our mothers, we can sometimes negate the issues in their life that make them strong, that make them powerful that cause them to be endearing matriarchs to our generations. When we look at mothers and we think about mothers, we can sometimes look back and we look back in slave times where they were only committed to working in the house. And we look at the Proverbs 31 woman and we say that she's a virtuous woman because she takes care of her house. But when we think about the true essence of a woman, she's bigger than that. I, I've always taught you here at the Rock Church that the woman, the wife, was never created to be a helpmeet. She was created to be a rescuer. When you uh, break that word down in the Hebrew, helpmeet, it, it, it translates into the word easer. Easer translated and, and, and it is defined as someone who is sent to rescue. Eve was sent to rescue man. And when we look at Hannah here, she's sent to rescue her generation from a place of non-consecrated lifestyle. And when we think about our mothers and we think about the power that they have in their life, uh, they, they have an innate ability to rescue us. They know what to say. They know how to say it. They, they, they can take an empty cupboard and give you a five-course meal. They can look in the garden. They can, they can take a pen and a needle, and they can put things together that seem like they can never be put back together again. They know how to do it. But rarely do we talk about the issues that causes our mothers to be strong. When I look at my mother, she was very quiet, but she was strong. When I look at my grandmother, she was quiet but very strong. When I look at my wife, not as quiet but very, very strong. Because there's a new generation of freedom that is coming into our society. And I spoke to you over the year and I said last year that I believe that this season that we're in, that it's going to be the season where women are going to rest at the top. 
They're going to rest in powerful positions where they will begin to teach men how to lead from a place where there's no division or schism. When we, when we look at politics right now, look at all of the powerful women that are leading us right now. Look at their voices and look at how they're able to communicate. And when you think about women in powerful positions at their jobs and in their careers, we can never, we can never negate the consecration of their life, the consecrated mother. Join me right here in 1 Samuel chapter number one. It says, she greatly distressed, she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and forget not your maidservant, but will grant your maidservant a son, then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. I want to rest right here, but will you grant your maidservant a son? Then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. I, I want you to hear that again. She's talking to the Lord out of her issue. She's talking to the Lord out of her pain. And she makes a vow to the Lord by saying, but will you grant your maidservant a son? And if you do, she says, then I will give him back to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. We look at the story of Hannah, the consecrated mother. The stretching of your faith is immediate pain that results in ultimate gain. It is the waiting, it is in the waiting that we become who we are meant to be. The faith, the stretching of her faith, she's now stretching her faith. She's stretching her faith because she's dealing with an issue. She's dealing with a crisis. When we talk about consecration, it is the act or ceremony of consecrating, the, the state of being consecrated. It, it's the place of blessing. It is the place where we, where we make something holy or we sanctify something. We were talking with Tierra's mom on yesterday and she was saying, man, we come from the sanctified church where you walk in the sanctified and you got to get on that altar, you got to purge, you got to pray. We were there all day, all night. It was the time of consecration when we grew up. Church was serious. You couldn't play in church. You couldn't go to sleep in church. You couldn't be late to church. You couldn't fall off. The, you couldn't just fall off the handle. If you were in sin, everybody knew you were in sin because they called you out. They told your mama, your grandmama got up and testified, Lord, will y'all pray for Freddie? Freddie is just out there living. Just He's a hellion, but I plead the blood of God over his life. How many times have our mothers prayed for us in the midnight hour? How many times have our grandmamas and our aunties prayed for us when we were in a place where they wanted us to be consecrated? And we look at the text and she says, if you will grant me a son, I will give him back to you. What she's saying that when you give me this son, I will consecrate him back to you. I'll cause his life to be made holy. 
I'll cause him to be sanctified in your presence and all the days of his life he will be dedicated to the service of the Lord as for me in my house Joshua says I will and we will praise the Lord the nurturing mother and the consecrated mother when we think about it there are four functional traits of a consecrated mother four functional traits of a consecrated mother here we have number one they manage their circumstances well although Hannah's womb was closed by God she maintained her position in seeking God Hannah like many of us was given some circumstances that only God could fix the reality of Hannah's inability to have children was something she could not change, nor could she ignore it by acting as if she did not have an issue of accepting the natural reality that it may not change. She's stretching her faith by saying, God, in the midst of my circumstance, I, my womb is closed purposely. Now, now, now we, 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 we really don't know the, the medical condition, but the Bible says that, that God did it purposely. So he closed her womb purposely and he put her in a circumstance where she was laughed at, where she was mocked where she was talked about, where she felt inferior and, and she felt uh, insecure to Penina, who had all of the children. And if you read the story, it says that every time they went up to the temple to worship during that moment, that, that, that Elkanah gave portions to Penina, but when it came to Hannah, he gave her a double portion. Ha have you ever been in a situation where you felt like people were, were, were giving you stuff out of pity, out of self-compassion. I'll give you a double portion because I know that you're hurting, but the double portion was not enough for Hannah. She begins to cry and Elkanah says, am I not good to you? Am I not better to you than the 10 sons that I'm providing for? It's not that you're not good to me. I'm understanding and I don't understand why am I sitting in a situation where God has purposely closed my womb. And to be a mother, I have to have children. To be a mother, I, I'm only honored by how many sons and daughters that I have. And, and if you were to pass away, and if I were to pass away, uh, that there's no inheritance. So how can I live through this circumstance? The consecrated mother learns how to manage circumstances. They learn how to manage issues. They learn how to manage the household issues that come in families. And when you think about the consecrated mother, you, you have some of those mothers that are quiet, that are able to handle it quietly. And then you have some of those mothers that just get right down, right there in the fight, take off all they need to do, put the, put the bandana on, they're ready to fight, they're ready to hustle. They'll do whatever they need to do. But here we are when we think about mothers, mothers are strong to the place that they learn how to manage circumstances circumstances when I think about my wife she's learned how to manage the circumstances of a crazy husband of a stubborn husband she's learned how to manage her own circumstances can I tell you she learned I watched her learning how to manage cancer in her life 
I'm watching her manage the circumstance in her life. No, her womb is not closed, but she was stricken with a sickness, a disease that most people don't make it through and most people don't come out like she came out. She cut all of her hair off and she fell out three times and went through all of this nails and all of this stuff, but then come back with all of this curly, beautiful hair. Her skin looks wonderful. She was able to manage her circumstance. How do you manage your circumstance when it's something that you cannot change yourself? It's something that was given to you. People will say, well, maybe she wasn't eating right, and maybe you wasn't doing this, and maybe, maybe it was just in the bloodline. Maybe it's something that she could not control. And Hannah had no control over her womb. She had no control over when she could have children and when she could not have children. She had no control, but she consecrated herself in a place where she was able to manage her circumstances. Your reality may be something that you cannot change, but you must learn how to live with it. I, I talk from the place of reality. Sometimes when the doctor tells you, because I know the old saints would tell us, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not hearing what the doctor say now. I don't receive it now. Sometimes you need to receive what he's saying so that you can do what he's asking you to do. We had a lot of saints that just said, I ain't going to the doctor. I'm going to use my blessed oil and I'm going to pray this off of me. And, and they live with sickness all of their life because they didn't believe in medicine. They didn't believe in what the doctor said. And, and here we are sometimes, you've got to recognize that there is a reality of a womb that is closed. There is a reality in your life that you are facing as a woman or a man, but Hannah had to face the reality that she asked God to open up her womb, but if he never opened up her womb, she had to deal with the reality that she would never have children. But just because you never have children doesn't give you the excuse to mismanage your circumstance. How many times have we thrown the opportunities away to manage well? Number two, when we think about it, consecrated mothers, they manage their capacity to overcome distressful times. Hannah, in her weakest moments of distress, cried out to God for his help. She was bitter and broken to the point that she had no other place to turn but to God. Managing our times of distress will afford us the opportunities to cast all of our cares upon the Lord. When you think about it, she has to manage the circumstance, but not only is she managing her circumstance, the consecrated mother learns how to manage the distressful moments that come in life. Those distressful times that come in their life. I watched my wife as she answered and those moments where she felt distressed. Those moments where she didn't understand why she was going through what she was going through. I, I watched my mother when my father hurt his back and, and he lost his job for some time. I watched my mother manage those places of distress where my father was feeling uh, inadequate because he was not able to work and provide for his family. But there was my mother who was there to manage the distress in the house. 
She was able to rightly divide and she knew how to talk and she knew when not to talk and, and, and we never saw them fall apart but I could imagine the distress that she had in her life of managing something that was falling apart. She was managing something that was broken. When you look at Hannah, she was broken. She was bitter and she cried out to God with a broken heart. She was managing her distress. Many times when we're broken and distressed, we mismanage our moments and we begin to cry out to other things and we become addicted to those things. We cry out to the wrong people. We connect ourselves to the wrong congregations. We connect our minds and our emotions are all out of whack and we mismanage our destinations in our distress and, and instead of running to God, we run away from God and we pull away from God and, and here it is, the reality, you have every right to go to God and say, why would you? Give me a closed womb when you know I'm being laughed at and mocked. When, when you know that I live in a culture where I'm honored by my children. My children bring me honor and respect. A, a woman in that time did not have honor and respect if she did not have children. The handmaidens and everybody's running around with the family and I'm sitting here. Why would you allow me to do this? She learned how to manage the places of distress. Your distress, if handled properly, can become a manageable outlet that creates a space for God's help and assistance. In those moments of distress, you've got to be able to cry out to God. What do you mean when you say cry out to God? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Learning how to manage your distress will give you rest when you give it to the Father. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find your rest for your souls. Here it is, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light, but it don't feel like that right now. It feels heavy. Uh, uh, it don't feel like your burdens are light because I'm not understanding why am I going through what I'm going through. I prayed, I fasted, I've given, I've served, I've done all that I know how to do and my womb is still closed. I've done everything that I know how to do and I still haven't received an answer from you. You gotta know how to manage the distress of your circumstances. You gotta know how to manage what you're going through. You gotta know how to manage it. You gotta know how to cry out to God. You gotta know how to give it to God. My wife sometimes makes me so mad because she said, why are you crying over spilled milk? Because I spilled the milk and I wanted that cup of milk. And I don't feel like getting down there cleaning that up and pouring another glass of milk. I desire that cup of milk. That's the reality. But guess what? If I stand there and keep crying over the cup of milk that I cannot have, I'm going to mismanage my moment. I'm going to mismanage it and I'm going to handle it inappropriately. And now my day is full of complaining murmuring, grumbling. I used to hear my dad say it all the time. 
The worst thing in the world is to be around a woman scorn. It's better for a man to sit up in the corner of his roof. Are y'all what I'm saying? The consecratedness of a mother is that she learns how to manage her circumstances, learns how to manage distress, but here it is, number three, they manage the perceptions of what others think about them. Woo. I can go right down this lane. Uh, uh, Hazel Graves is so quiet, she doesn't say nothing. And that means that she's weak. That means that her husband walks over her and she doesn't do this. And all she does is cook clean. And, you know, people would say that about my mother. And I would be like, well, I mean, what's the difference? You don't even cook for your husband. You don't do his laundry. You do nothing. And maybe that's why he's cheating on you. Maybe that's why he don't like coming home. Because you talk too much. Maybe because you feel it. Now, now I'm not being judgmental, but can I be real? Because we judge women based off of their silence. We judge women based off of their appearance. We judge women based off of their class. We judge women based off of their careers. The church has put women in bondage for years. Nope. If you want to preach, you got to preach on the floor. Only the men can preach behind the pulpit. Do you see the classes? Women have learned how to manage the perceptions of what people think about them. Did you hear about it? Hannah was in the same situation. She was in the temple. She was crying out to God and Eli mismanaged and perceived her to be a drunk woman. He, he, he perceived her to be a woman who was not strong. He perceived her to be a weak woman. He, he, perceived, he perceived her to be a woman who was out of order. You're in the temple and you're drunk. You are out of your mind. Uh, uh, here she is. When we think about it, Hannah chooses to tell the priest that his outlook of who she is is completely untrue. In times of pain and agony, we are given the option. We can either fall into the trap of allowing people to think that we have lost our way in God because we're so consumed with the pleasures of our own pain and our heartbreak. Or we can be transparent with those who are blinded and unaware of our inward issues and insecurities. He was unaware that she was barren. He was unaware that she was hurting. He was unaware, but if you never allow the transparency of your issue and your circumstance to be told, you will live in a place where you're always fighting against what people think you are. Sometimes you got to open up your mouth and just tell the truth. Uh, uh, hey, I, I, I'm going through right now, and I need y'all to understand, I'm in an oppressed moment right now. Leave me alone. I, I'm crying out to God. I haven't lost my mind. I ain't getting ready to commit suicide. I ain't getting ready to do nothing crazy, but I'm just having a worship moment right now. I'm having a God moment in my life right now. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of going through what I'm going through right now. So don't look at me crazy. Don't think that I'm crazy. But guess what? I'm having a moment in my life. How many of you have had one of those moments in your life and people perceived you to be out of your mind? 
People looked at you and said, you got to be crazy. Something, y'all need to call her because she, y'all need to call them. They, they might kill themselves today. You, you need to call them. They might get a gun today. You need to call them. They, they probably going to do something crazy. No, no, no. I'm not going to do anything crazy. My, my circumstance is driving me crazy. And it's driving me to cry out to God. It's driving me. And it thinks, and it allows you to think that I'm crazy. And Eli looks at her and says, why are you mumbling? Why are you doing what you're doing? When you come into the temple, you should be speaking to the Lord. She said, Eli, be quiet. You're a priest. You should have known who I was. Sometimes your silence needs to be heard. I'm talking to my mothers, to my single women today. Sometimes your silence needs to be heard. Sometimes your community needs to hear the silence of your pain. I looked at my wife and her silence of cancer became her voice. And now people are calling saying, how did you do it? If I could just have your faith, don't say that. Don't, don't say that, have your own faith. Get your own story. You, you don't want her faith because her faith was, was, can I tell you? My wife got up and she made prayers to all of the each medicine that she had. She, she called each of the prescriptions out and she did prayers and I'm sitting there like, you got to be crazy. I would just pray over all the medicine and be done. My wife's faith was said, I'm going to pray over this one. I'm going to have a prayer over this one, a prayer over this one, a prayer over this one. And not only that, she had a prayer for all of the side effects. I'm saying that's just too much. That's just too much. But it was the stretching of her faith that says, God, if you heal me, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to you. God, if you take this cancer away, and it may not go away, going in and hearing them say, every time we give you this chemo, you can die. Your heart can stop beating. Your, your white blood cells can, can just go out of whack, and we may have to give you a blood transfusion. You, you might be jacked up, and your hair may never grow back. Your nails may be black, and all of this other stuff. You may never regain your taste, but it was the stretching of faith. Imagine Hannah in this place. Eli is thinking that she's crazy and she's there praying that God is going to open her womb while somebody's thinking that you're crazy because you're praying for something that you cannot change. There's some things in your life that you can't change, only God can change it. I don't care how much money you got, I don't care how many degrees you got, you can't change it unless God changes it. You can't walk away from it unless God gives you a door to walk away from it. You can't be free from the addiction unless God drives you up and allows you to be free from the addiction. The consecrated mother, she manages her circumstances. She manages her capacity to overcome. She manages the perceptions. Psalms 52, 22 says, leave your troubles with the Lord and he will defend you. He never lets honest people be defeated. Number four. They manage their vows made with God. She says, Lord, if you will give me your maid servant a son. Now, here it is. We've never seen a woman in this place before. Before Hannah. We didn't see Eve in this place. We rarely heard the voice of Eve in Scripture. 
But now we see a woman in the temple in a place that only belonged to men, in a place that only belonged to the priest. But we see a woman and she identifies herself. She doesn't say or demeans who she is. She says, your maid servant, meaning that she identified her influence with God. You've got to sometimes be able to identify who you are when you're going before powerful kings. You got to identify I'm strong. I'm a conqueror. I'm able to overcome. I can take it. I can stand through the fire. I can stand through the storm. If you would give your maidservant a son, I will give him back to you. I will give him back to you. Hannah makes a vow before God about her being the godly and consecrated mother a child would need if he would grant her request. Managing your words in your prayer life is something that each and every one of us should purpose to do in our lives. Hannah not only kept her word to God, but she went a step further in making sure that her house was covered and in line with the vow she made. Here it is. Hannah tells Elkanah, I am going to stay behind because I've made a vow. And for the next three years until I wean him off, I'm going to consecrate him back to God. I'm going to prepare his life. I'm going to prepare purpose. I'm going to prepare his dream. I'm going to prepare this young man to serve the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his soul. And I'm telling you right now that my house is going to line up with the vow that I made before the Lord. I vow that my children will serve God all the days of their life. I'm vowing that my children will not live in a place of sin, that they will not fall away from the heart and the pleasures of God, that my children will live in a place where they will serve the Lord with all of their heart all the days of their life. The consecrated mother is a promise keeper. They know how to keep a promise. They know how to keep the word. They know how to give the benefit of the doubt even when it's wrong. Even when the reality says that child is out there acting crazy, they give them the benefit of the doubt because I made a vow that my children, my sons and my daughters will not be wrapped up in the system of incarceration, of incarceration. They'll not be in the system of foster parents. That I will not abort my family Think about it, how many mothers have lost their ability to be powerful in their houses because they failed at managing their circumstances. They fall into times of distress. They fall into perception of being no good, no good. I don't understand it. That you can call a girl out of her name and she'll appreciate it. You can call her the bee and she'll laugh at it. You can call her the thought and she'll laugh at it and date you and let you take her out. And, but then you go and you want to honor her and treat her right. She don't want to be with you. She want to be with the guy that's shooting people. That's walking around with his pants sagging down and showing all of his underwear and selling drugs and all of this. Why? Because she's not been taught to be consecrated. 
mothers, I'm talking to you that you have a, a decision. You got a choice. That your job is to consecrate our communities. It's to sanctify our children back to their rightful place. The virtuous woman is just not the woman who cooks. The virtuous woman is not just the woman who irons. The virtuous woman and the consecrated mother is not the one who's just a housekeeper, but it's that mother that works the top-notch job that's able to come home. She might not be the greatest cook, but she can do other things. She might not be the greatest communicator, but she knows how to consecrate her house. She knows how to consecrate her family. She knows how to make a house into a home. Our women have to get back to the place where you fight for your dignity, where you fight for your worth, you fight for your value. Mothers, today, it's all about you. When we think about it, how many of our children are dying today? How many of our young ladies don't know how to dress properly? That men, you're going places and you literally have to walk out of the store because you don't know that the girl is just 12 years old, but she looks 35. And the mama says, she's my daughter breast showing, thighs showing, and you wonder why all of the men are chasing. Wonder why. But guess what? It starts at home. Don't start in school. We've not taught them how to have respect for themselves. If a man talks to you any old type of way, he's not a good man. Leave that joker. The first time he hits you, walk away. The first time he cusses you out, nah, I'm straight on that. My, my daddy don't treat me like that, so I dare not let you treat me like that. As a matter of fact, I, I don't even treat myself like that, so I'm not even going to let you treat me. you you got to fight for your worth, your value, and your honor today. I don't care whether you're 65, whether you're 45, whether you're 12, whether you're 11. You are a consecrated woman of God that is powerful. And that your dream is going to create spaces where young children, I'm waiting on the women of the Rock Church to give me a cotillion. I'm waiting on the women to create a place of mentorship where our young ladies know how to talk. They know how to walk. They know how to sit at a table. This is going to sound real funny and offensive. But they don't have to depend on a man to open up a door for them to teach them that they have value. That's a dysfunction because some fathers have never taught their sons how to open up a door, but it doesn't mean he's not a gentleman. <laughs> I'm going to let it go right there because I know y'all, you know, every man should know, every man doesn't know how to do what a woman thinks he knows how to do. But if you know what a woman knows what a man should do, you'll be able to look at him and say, I can help him one day. I can show him the way one day. Because that's your job, you're an easer. You know how to rescue people from danger. You know how to rescue them and put them in a place where they're presentable. The consecrated mother as you lift your hands. Father, I thank you for the anointing of mothers. I thank you right now for the grace 
of our founding mother. I thank you for the grace of my wife. Thank you for the grace of all of the women that are here that will one day mother in some type of way. That you will cause the easier anointing to rest upon their life. That you'll cause them to be in a place where they're champions. Where they champion their circumstances. Where they overcome times of distress. Where they conquer negative perceptions. And where they learn how to keep their vow to God. Father, we thank you that we submit to the anointing on their life and the grace on their life. Father, we call back mothers and daughters now where mothers will train their daughters. They'll raise them up. Father, we ask that you restore our young ladies right now, oh God. Restore the church, oh God, in a place where women have value. Not just because of their emotions, that we don't just see them as being weak vessels oh God but we see them as being strong and mighty vessels that help to bring our communities to a place of value worth they give us identity they give us a place of rest nurturing father it's in Jesus name that we pray amen 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 come on put your hands together today come on